Welcome to Elevated Voices Podcast, where we value using our voice collectively to explore life challenges, including mental health, addiction, trauma, and ways to heal. With our voice, we empower, encourage, and transform lives. I'm your host, Daishika Bibbs, a certified trauma-focused therapist, licensed clinical social worker, and licensed certified addiction specialist. As we embark on this journey together, let's elevate our voice to echo the sound for the voiceless. Welcome to all my listeners. We have another great show in store for you. Today's guest has endured years of battling with addiction. However, on February the 20th, 2018, she decided to start her sobriety journey with a clear mind and a new way of living. She found through healing using natural herbs and certain foods as medicine. In the last 300 days, she enjoyed backpacking and practicing survival skills in the wilderness. Some of these days were spent as a mentor with troubled teens. She received her wilderness first responders and mental health first aid certification. Because of her passion for healing and the power of human connection, she dedicated her time as a recovery coach, but she didn't stop there. After experiencing many chronic health issues that couldn't seem to be fixed through traditional medicine, she inspired to become a nutritional therapist while traveling around Colorado with her partner. Elevated Voices Podcast would like to give a warm welcome to Anna Leathery. Thank you so much, Anna, for joining us. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and chat with you. Oh, yeah. I am so excited as well. It is such an honor, Anna, to have you here. I just want to commend you for your hard work and your sobriety, as well as your effort and your time with giving back to the community. I know working with trouble teens is dear to your heart because at one point, you indeed yourself was a troubled team and you struggled with alcoholism. Yeah. Listening to you read uh, that little excerpt on me was kind of cool. I think that I forget, you know, everything that I've done and everything that I've really put myself into the past three and a half years. And it's cool to hear that. My story is a little all over the place and I've had more than one attempt at getting sober, but I don't think just because like in my story, I had a relapse. I don't think just because you have a relapse, that doesn't mean that you haven't started your healing journey already. But I would say I have a very specific aha moment, which was after a long couple years of drinking and hiding my drinking and um, whatnot, I sent myself on a three-month wilderness trip with Outward Bound, really found like a passion for the outdoors there and realized that something may be wrong or that I may um, have a bigger issue than I thought after kind of being forced to be sober for three months. When I had returned home from this trip, I still couldn't seem to um, kick the drinking. And it was really difficult, which is when I realized I had a problem. And I was actually living um, in Colorado alone at the time. And I didn't know anybody there. So it was perfect for, for me to drink the way I wanted and not be held accountable 
for my actions. But, you know, my mom just knew what was going on from talking on the phone with me. And I think she just knew she's a mom and she just knew. And she actually flew across the country in the middle of the night and ended up banging on my door in the morning. And I wouldn't let her in because I was so embarrassed of like all of the bottles and everything in my room and the state that I was in. So we fought on either sides of the door for about two hours and she begged and begged for me to go to treatment. And I finally opened the door and I was like, okay, (laughs) I'll go. And that was like a huge moment in my life where I kind of had to surrender. I like the fact that you said surrender and everything that you just explained is a normal experience of someone who is struggling with an addiction. And one of the things that you said was, I did have a relapse and it's not uncommon to have a relapse when you are in that process, in your sobriety, in recovery. And actually relapse is a part of recovery. You can't have one without the other. And so one of the things that is really hard when it comes to addiction is being able to face the fact that, hey, I do have a problem. That's really hard Mm -hmm. to admit that. It's really hard to say, hey, this is me. This is the issue that I have. Because sometimes when you are struggling with addiction, you don't even know that it is a problem. Yeah. And especially um, when you're 21 or 20. I mean, like I was at the time, it's really difficult to navigate all of your friends and your peers and everybody on social media drinking and in college and really glamorizing the party lifestyle. And it's really confusing to know, okay, well, my friends will go out with me on a Saturday night, but on Sunday, they're relaxing, doing their laundry, doing their homework, and I'm hiding in my bathroom still drinking. Like, obviously, something isn't right here, but I don't think it's a problem as far as me being an alcoholic because I'm 20 years old. It was a very, very hard thing for me to navigate until I really went to treatment and I met other women who were young and addicts because no, you don't really hear people talk about that when you're 20 through 25. You don't hear people saying that they're an addict. You don't. Because it's just, it's just how everybody really is at that time. Right. And I think that one of the things about me having this podcast is to raise awareness for others that are listening to say, it doesn't take much for a problem to develop. Not even realizing the cycle of addiction and how it starts as a young adult, a teenager, it starts off with experiments. It starts off, well, you know, this is fun. You know, my friends are doing it. I just want to be able to relax. You know, I just want to be able to feel confident. I just want to have a good time. And so you are socializing, you're having fun. And then before you know it, like you said, it was, I was still drinking. And that initial stage of experimental for you just turned into abuse. And when you're in that second stage of addiction, it's more so of, I am drinking more often now 
because I am trying to suppress and I'm using it more so to cope at this point to suppress whatever issue or concern, pain that I might be experiencing. And then before long, it becomes a full dependency, which is stage three of addiction. And so now it's not so much, you know, I'm doing it to enjoy it. It's I'm doing this to literally survive. This is how I cope with my day-to-day problems and day-to-day issues. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people understand about addiction that when you get to that point, you're not drinking because you want to get drunk or you just enjoy drinking and you're just a party girl or whatever. (laughs) Like you have to drink. I had this morning routine at one point in my life that was awful where I would set my alarm for 5 a.m. And I was living with my parents at the time. And I would go downstairs at 5 a.m. because I was like not quite withdrawing yet. And I would fill up a cup with any kind of alcohol. And then I would put it under my bathroom sink and I would go back to bed. And then I would wake up around like 9, 10. And I would be fully withdrawing at that point. And this was every morning. At this point, my body was so dependent on alcohol. I would be shaking, sweating. I couldn't walk. I would crawl to my bathroom and literally sip on that cup next to the toilet, just trying to like get it down. And that's how I would start my day. And then once I got as much of the alcohol down where I would just feel normal, and it's not even like you're feeling drunk and like, woohoo, drunk. (laughs) Like you just are normal. You're, you're stop shaking. And I would get up, brush my teeth and go make breakfast. I think that's the thing about addiction that's very misunderstood. Definitely, definitely. And addiction, it has several different components to it, several different elements. One of the things that a lot of us don't know is we call addiction a disease. And some people say, no, it's more so of a choice. And then, you know, it's a whole back and forth conversation about, is it a disease? Is it a choice? It is a disease because it affects your brain chemistry. What you just explained, going through withdrawals and shaking and not being able to fully function unless you had consumed alcohol, that is a part of Mm -hmm. being dependent. For you, we're talking about alcohol, we're talking about drinking, but for other people, it can be a drug of choice. It can even be sex. It can be gambling. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of people have that disconnect and don't know. When you are going through these changes in your life, it does change your brain chemistry. I know people may be saying, well, how is that so? So our brain has dopamine. Dopamine is that pleasure rewarding sense. When we do something, it's rewarding and our brain gets that release of pleasure. And so on the opposite side of that, you have the serotonin. It actually involves the mood. If I'm feeling sad, if I'm feeling depressed, but I know that when I drink alcohol, it makes me feel normal, then hey, why not? You know, if this is something Mm -hmm. that gives you pleasure and you're feeling down and you're feeling anxious, then why not? Yeah. And that's really how my really bad drinking started was from a place in my life where I was feeling pretty depressed when I had never experienced depression before. As far as like my early drinking years, the signs were 
always kind of there. I was just always the person who took it way too far in high school and stuff. But when I got to college, I experienced depression and anxiety, which was completely foreign to me. And I discovered drinking. Well, I, you know, I already had been drinking, but I discovered that was the first time I drank by myself. And I was like, wow, if I, you know, have two glasses of wine before class, even, you know, or any place that I go or have to interact with people, or even when I'm just sitting alone in my room, I don't feel depressed and I don't feel anxious. So why wouldn't I do that? And then I think once you spiral into that, once you decide, maybe I shouldn't do that. I'm just going to sit with my, you know, self and my thoughts today. The depression and the anxiety almost amplifies, which is just a nasty spiral of like, well, I don't really want to feel like that right now. So I'll drink today. Maybe I won't tomorrow. And then the next day, the depression and anxiety is worse. And it's just, it just continues like that. Yeah. It's a never ending cycle of trying to fix a problem or issue with a temporary solution. A lot of people go through that, not realizing that, hey, you know, there are other things I need to address the depression. I need to address the anxiety and dive deep into why is this happening? What else is going on in my life that is causing me so much discomfort that I am now depending on the alcohol to get me through. Yeah. I actually was talking to somebody the other day who just didn't understand addiction and why people couldn't stop. And I was saying, you know, you drink coffee in the morning, right? If you decided I don't want to drink coffee anymore, it would be hard to just all of a sudden stop drinking coffee. You're tired. Maybe I'll have a cup today and I won't tomorrow. It's the same kind of thing. Like any pattern that you have in your life that you're so used to, like I was with drinking or like any addict is with their behavior of choice. I mean, it's just like trying to to totally change your life and end a habit and start a new one is really, really freaking hard. (laughs) Yeah. And that's why relapse is one of the biggest things I say go hand in hand with recovery because Alcoholism is a behavior, it's a lifestyle. And you have to be able to, like you said, change those behaviors, change your whole lifestyle in order to maintain sobriety, in order to truly give yourself a shot of being clean. Yeah. I talk about my relapse a lot because I think in my personal story, it was really, really important for me. I was sober for nine months before I relapsed and I worked my butt off for those nine months. I stayed in sober living for seven months. I went to an AA meeting every single day. I went to therapy, group therapy, but I think that I focused way too much on just being an addict and not really going deeper in the layers. You know, there's being an addict and then there's all these things under that, like, anxiety, depression, trauma, feelings of, you know, not being good enough, body image issues, what have you, all this stuff under there that I wasn't addressing. I was really just like, I'm an addict. I love AA. You know, I love get being sober. I'll never relapse. And then I moved out on my own and started my life and just started to get really depressed again. And I relapsed. And I think my second 
you know, my second time getting sober, I really went in depth in those layers and it was super painful. It was really hard. I hated it, (laughs) but I was in a really, a really great treatment center and addressing all that stuff was like so important for me to maintain my long-term sobriety like I am now. Right. I love the fact that you acknowledged that you didn't address those things, but when you did, yes, it was painful, but it was well worth it because now you know that because I did address those things, I do know that those things are triggers for me. Mm -hmm. I'm more aware now. So I can make provisions when certain things come up or certain emotions, certain feelings, certain thoughts come up that I can say, okay, you know, this is something that I dealt with in the past. This is something that I'm aware of. Let me address it now. Let me work through it now. And I think that that's something that the alcohol robs you of is being able to face whatever the problem is, solve it. So then therefore you can move forward with your life. Yeah. And I think one of the hardest parts about early sobriety is feeling feelings. I remember throwing up from just thinking about my past couple years and what I had been doing and getting physically sick because of emotions. And it's just so uncomfortable to have to sit in those emotions that you've been numbing for so long. But once like you get a hold on that and you really work on it and you know that you can handle it. I mean, it's so empowering now to go through you know, I still struggle with depression. I still struggle with anxiety. I still struggle with a lot of stuff. But whenever I go through hard times, I don't think about drinking. And that's like, amazing. And it feels really empowering. You know, I I think that it's important to stress the hard work and hard looks in the mirror and the literal blood, sweat and tears that it took to get to that point that that most people in recovery have had to go through. But I also think when you go through that, it makes you have this understanding of yourself that a lot of people don't really get to have. I mean, a lot of people don't get to know themselves on a, this deep of a level that that people who have gone through something really awful get to get to have of themselves. People who are in recovery or even people who aren't even in recovery just have been through something awful and have come out the other side. It's like you have this understanding and respect yourself so much for going through that and you know yourself. Yeah, I have to agree with you because taking that personal self inventory and truly rediscovering who you are, it is amazing. Like you, like you said, I don't think anyone truly goes through that experience without having and eye-opening experience. You have to be able to have some form of adversity, an obstacle to say, this is who I was then. This is who I am now. How do you cope and manage your emotions or even when you're having a bad day? For me, wilderness is a huge part of my story. It's medicine for me. I know that when I'm feeling really down or anxious, I need to get outside. And for me, sometimes that looks like going into the woods by myself and rolling in the mud or doing something crazy like that, or just going for a hike or sitting outside. That's a huge part of my life right now. I've stayed in therapy since I got sober, which has been really helpful for me. 
Um, I really believe in therapy and EMDR therapy has been extremely helpful. Also, having the right people around you that you can lean on and that understand what you've been through is really important. Like for me, my partner, he just got eight years sober and it's been really amazing having a partner that has also been through active addiction and is in recovery and just has that level of understanding with me that not a lot of people have. Talking it out, I I always have to make sure I'm talking about things that I'm feeling. If I hold stuff in, it's never good. Knowing that I've been through so much and no matter what it is, I can get myself through it. Sometimes I write myself these little notes on my phone, like little letters of like, you're a bad bitch, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Positive affirmation, positive affirmation. (laughs) Like, look at all this stuff that you've been through. You can get through this. Yeah. Having that support system is key. Whoever you decide to have in your support system, allow that person or people, like you said, to truly be there for you, to support you without having that form of judgment. Your partner, your therapist, church, it might be a sponsor, anybody that's positive that can motivate you to continue to put your best foot forward. And now that you are sober, you have a sense of purpose now. You are going to school, you're working, but you have an overall goal that you are trying to to reach and you're working towards that is very key to maintain in sobriety as well. Yeah, I think staying busy and having some kind of goal or purpose that you're working for is absolutely huge for people in recovery. I think everybody in recovery has the same thing where if they're not busy, they're not doing great because it's just too much free time is not great, which I've definitely had that issue in the past, you know, year or so, like but having some kind of purpose and working towards a goal has brought me a lot of comfort and peace and yeah, has definitely kept me saying a lot. Yeah. Well, listeners, Anna is amazing. And as you can see, she is a fighter. So Anna, what positive advice would you give to a listener who may be struggling in addiction or even in their recovery? Yeah. Something I used to tell a lot of the teenage girls that I used to work with who were struggling with something or struggling with loving themselves, which most people who are going through something hard are, is that you don't have to love yourself. But at the end of the day, it's important to look at everything that you're going through or been through and respect yourself and be able to say, I'm amazing for for going through this and even wanting to change, you know, wanting to make a difference in my life. Getting sober is so freaking hard and it it really is walking through fire. But once you're out the other side of that, the the beauty and things that can come out of your life are unimaginable. And yeah, I think anybody that decides to get sober is a total badass and I totally respect them. And it definitely, it gets easier. Definitely. Definitely. So Anna, if someone wants to reach out to you, know more about your story, how can they reach you? So I have an Instagram where I talk about um, mental health and addiction. It's Anna, the human being girl. All right. There you have it, guys. And again, like she said, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be ashamed. And yes, it hurts like hell, but you can get through it, guys. 
Thank you so much, Anna, for taking time out to be on Elevated Voices podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for tuning in to Elevated Voices podcast, where we enjoy using our voice to share information which promotes growth and change. Never feel like you are alone. Join our Elevated Voices podcast community at Elevated Voices underscore on both Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned to bi-weekly episodes wherever you get your podcast. If there is a topic that you would like me to cover, or if you have questions, you can send me an email via my Elevated Voices podcast Facebook page. And remember, don't forget to let your voice be heard.